When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome back to the channel for this installment of Open Mic, the show where the mic is open, the floor as they say, is yours. What do you guys want to talk about? What topics, issues, or questions would you like us to address here on the show? That is what we are here to do. My name is John Campia. Uh, For those of you guys watching live, uh, in case you didn't know and you're watching the show, we do this show live every afternoon uh, in the after uh, here in uh, LA. Now, uh, for those of you watching live, and you might have noticed we started a couple minutes late. That's because Ray was late. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was making a trench run. He was making <laughs> a what run? You know a what trench run? Yeah, a trench run. Make when a you got to go real star? quick. Trench run. <laughs> uh, Ray's here. Jonathan Voiko's here. Hello. Uh, but no, not to throw them. I was, I had, look, we were ready to go, but I had to tell the guys the story of what happened to me in Baldur's Gate 3. I had to let them know my my troubles. Yeah. Troubles and tri- tribulations. I I was facing in Baldur's Gate 3. Me and Jonathan were sitting here. We're like, is he going to fire both of us? And then he went <laughs> into this dilemma in Baldur's Gate 3. I had to tell them about what happened in Baldur's Gate 3 in my session last night and like the problems I was having. Anyway, good Love to have you game. guys here. There are two ways for you to get a topper or question on the show for us to address. Now, the first way is if you're watching this video not live, like one of the other 23 hours of the day, you can send in a topic question anytime, 24-7, by using our tip link at www.streamelements.com slash johncampia slash tip. Or if you are watching live right now and you have a thought, comment, topic, or question you'd like to send in for us to address, just go ahead and use the Super Chat feature in YouTube. And any question, topic, that is appropriate to be addressed on our show, we will address here on the show. Uh, now, before we get going, let me just talk about this for a second. Um, the one significant movie that's opening up <laughs> the this only week, movie <laughs> that's opening up this week is the new Denzel Washington Equalizer Three. Very quiet, very quietly has snuck into theaters because I don't know about you guys. I do this for a living, and yesterday I was like, "Wait, <laughs> do you Equalizer Three comes out this week?" Um, a very, very, very quietly. Shh. Snuck into theaters. <laughs> Snuck into theater, coming into theaters. And I gotta tell you, I'm looking forward to this. I really like these dentists. This is these every morning, and you're encouraging me with that gun to do my work. <laughs> <laughs> I really like these Denzel uh movies. I, I like the Equalizer series very much. I think they're a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, this one's been kind of ignored. Uh they haven't put a lot of promo into it, and it's sneaking out well. The first reviews are now out. Woo. And they're okay. They're okay. On nice. Rotten Tomatoes, as of right now, uh, Equalizer 3 is holding a 61%. With? With not many 24? reviews. Like 23 reviews. When we first came up with this, uh, the idea to cover this, it was like at 59. So it's up 2%. So it's gone. There you go. It's gone up as the day's gone. By 8 o'clock tonight, 
Mm-hmm. 95%. There we go. Oh, wow. 63%. Well, <laughs> so, oh, it's at 63 right now. That's 61 it? up from 59. Do oh. I need to reload yeah, my... Yeah, mine's at 63 oh, oh. now. Oh, wait, I'm reloading wait, 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 wait. On the front page, it's yeah, 63. Yeah, yeah. When you click on it, it's 61. This is crazy. Yeah, they, they, they don't sync properly yeah, sometimes. Yeah. So, but we'll go with 61 right now. Now, here are some of the things that these critics are saying about Let's it. Let's hear it. So, San Francisco Chronicle is saying, despite its reductive tendencies, the Equalizer 3 is still superior to your standard Liam Neeson slash Death Wish action flick. So they gave it a positive <laughs> review. Uh, also giving a positive review, Consequence wrote, uh, if you're intrigued by the idea of watching Denzel Washington straight up murder a crap ton of bad guys this weekend, but have never equalized before now, don't worry about being lost. The Equalizer 3 is exceptionally accessible for newcomers. Which, I guess, actually, that's really a good thing yeah, to know. Yeah, because Jonathan hasn't seen any of them. I haven't seen any. Yeah, so if you haven't seen any of the Equalizer films, no problem. Just go right in. You're going to be able to watch it. No problem. Uh, so they liked it. Also, IndieWire liked it. They said, if this is the end of the Equalizer it's a good one. Eh, that's pretty good. Uh, however, <laughs> Hollywood Reporter didn't like it. Hollywood Reporter no. wrote, there's little to no suspense because there's never any doubt that McCall, who seems like a murderous auto- automaton, automaton <laughs> rather than merely a veteran secret agent, will triumph over his adversaries. I- I've-, I've heard that said about the other. So he's got a little too. dom in him. A little bit, of, a little bit of Dominic Toretto. Uh, Empire Magazine gave it a positive review with a solid conclusion to an unlikely trilogy uh, and a fitting end to Robert McCall's character arc. With Washington still entertaining as a deliverer of slick justice. However, The Guardian didn't like it as McCall spends a few <laughs> scenes hobbling about with a cane following an injury sustained in the field. The anxiety of getting old nips at his movie's heels, but its pipe dream of overpowered obsolescence responds with a. K-47 fire. Not exactly sure what Charles meant by that. Yeah, yeah just give me the number it was, there. It was poetic. Yeah, just so they gave it a negative review. So there we go. We're, we're sitting at some people liking it. Nobody's saying it's the worst thing they've seen. Nobody's saying it's the best thing they've seen. Two, two things it? to point out on this Rotten Tomatoes page. Uh-huh. Guess what moved up? A percentage. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, to 97%. And it's guess, at a 97? And guess what is 60%. Maybe it is as bad as I people say it is. I have no idea. What Invasion. We're... <laughs> <laughs> That's to me six sixty percent is generous. That is a generous score for invasion. So look, I don't care. I'm looking forward. To, I'm going to go see this on Thursday. Yeah. Like, Anne gets back from London tomorrow. Yeah. And then we're going to go see Equalizer on Thursday. Get equalized, baby. Go get equalized. Why not? Indeed, Denzel is back, baby. <laughs> I don't know if that sounds anything. Like I don't. I I don't know if that sounds threatening. Or if that sounds good. Thankfully, that's not something Denzel says in the movie. I'm about like, to get you've been equalized. I'm about to equalize that ass. Yeah. I didn't Why did to... that sound seductive the way he said that? <laughs> like, there's one way to say it. I'm going to equalize your ass. If, if, if and someone then heard... you said it. I'm going to equalize that ass. I don't know if that Two totally even... different meanings. Should a girl be like, oh, or, oh, oh damn. Yeah. You kind of said that like undercover brother. <laughs> Fish sandwich. All right, guys. With that now and out of the way, you guys want to talk about Equalizer? You want to talk about anything else? Go ahead, send in your <laughs> questions. We're going to start getting to them right now. Jonathan, what do we got? So glad it's Friday. Yeah. It's Chad Friday. says, hey, crew, it's been 15 years since Heath Ledger's death and wow. the debut of Dark Knight. Man, so sad he never got to experience the fame at ad- uh, admiration from that performance. I feel like he was on the cusp of being one of the top leading actors in Hollywood. Agree? I agree. I don't know that I do. Um, now look, there's no denying 
how brilliant he was in The Dark Knight. I mean, I he forget the fact that he passed away. He deserved that Academy Award. There's still there's revisionist history. People say, oh, well, he only won because he died. No, no, no. He won because he deserved that Academy Award. And, and rightfully so, it was brilliant. However, the reality of Heath Ledger as an actor was when he was, you know what? He's like South Park. <laughs> when Heath Ledger was firing in all cylinders, he was world-class. The problem is, is that like South Park, his he was often hit and miss in his performances. Um, and I remember back in the day, like watching certain movies of his thinking, he wasn't very good in that. And then watch him in another movie and go, wow, he was amazing in that. And then in the next one, it's like, eh, I don't even know if he was trying in this one. So while he did have this big, incredible success with Dark Knight, and yeah, it's such a tragedy, he never got to really be around for, to receive that adulation that he, that he rightfully got for that film. I don't know if that was the beginning of him hitting DiCaprio level or anything like that. I, I, he just didn't have that consistency. What was his breakout performance to you then? If anything, I thought it was actually dark Knight Cause he showed aspects in his acting that I well, never I mean, thought he was, was amazing there. in it. Yeah. Maybe he could have grew off of that. I don't know. We'll never know, which is unfortunate. Um, but I mean, the one that really, made people go, oh, he's not just some heartthrob. I was probably Brokeback Mountain. That's probably the one that people looked at him and go, oh, you're not just some heartthrob flavor of the month actor. And I, I believe he got an Academy Award nomination. Yeah, he did. He, he did. He yeah, did? Either him did. or Jake Gyllenhaal got, I, I couldn't remember if he got his nomination for that or not. But um, yeah, it's uh, so I, I mean, yeah, it's a shame that he wasn't able to, you know, enjoy the fruits of that incredible performance he gave. But I, I don't know what he would have done after that. I mean, maybe he would have gone on to become the next Daniel Day-Lewis. Maybe not not much. I mean, I don't know. All right, what's next? Uh, We got Edwin who writes, Hey, John, I've been wondering, when do you think the marketing for Aquaman 2 will begin? Because this movie is three months away, and we haven't gotten a single trailer, whereas Wonka and The Color of Purple have. And they are also WB Films that release in December. I think we are right now in the range of where they would start their marketing campaign. I, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next two weeks, um, provided they don't move the film, um, because, you know, Warner Brothers just moved Dune, and they mainly moved Dune because they have this big, huge list of A-list actors that are in that movie that can't promote the film. You kind of have that problem, too, with Aquaman because you got Jason Momoa, and you'd love to have Jason Momoa out there on the circuit promoting the movie. But at the same time, they may not move it because, number one, they probably would have announced it being moved by now. But number two, maybe they see it as a blessing not to do the press circuit because with all the stories about the behind-the-scenes drama and the bad test screenings and the whole Amber Heard drama and all that kind of stuff, maybe they don't want to do a press junket for it. So... But anyway, if they do keep it where it's at, three months is right. Because when, when's the schedule to come out? December or November? Four. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I was looking up. Aquaman 2. I, I think it was up. supposed to come out in December, was it not? December 16th. I've got... Uh, sequel. Okay, why isn't it... December 20. December 20. Okay, so right around the same time that the first one came out. Uh, so what are we in, August? September, yeah. October, November? No, we're still four months out. Well, I mean... It's the 29th. We're almost out of August. Yeah, so we're about four months out, yeah, right? September, yeah. So I, I'd, say, I'd say in the next couple of weeks, maybe 
maybe in the next two to three weeks is when we'll probably start seeing the marketing for it. Because again, Hollywood has been learning a lesson over the past couple of years that the technical term is fuck stupid to start putting out trailers for your movies six months in advance because any energy, any momentum, any pop you get dissipates and disappears. And then by the time the movie comes out, you actually don't get any benefit because it wasn't that long ago. It was just a few years ago that there were still movies and it still happens once in a while, but it was kind of normal uh, just a few years ago that movies were putting out trailers seven months before the movies mm. would come out, eight months. I re- going back a few years more, back when I was doing the movie blog, it wasn't completely uncommon for them to start putting out movie trailers a year in advance. And what Hollywood has slowly started to discover is, oh, we're wasting our money. We're <laughs> wasting money and energy and we're not cresting the momentum properly and you're seeing those windows shrink and that's exactly what they should do. So again, I, if they don't move it, I think sometime in the next two to three weeks, probably see them start uh, dropping an Aquaman trailer or two. All right. What's next? Anonymous writes, Hey John, if you are enjoying winning time, you should really check out the documentary magic and bird, a courtship of rivals. One of my favorite sports docs and perfectly covers the rivalry turn friendship. Pretty sure it's on max in the States. I've never heard of that. Now over the years, because you know, I was obsessed with Larry bird and, and his main guy, magic Johnson. I've seen so much on those two over my life. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anything left to surprise me with. This is this is the one though. This is the one you've seen you this ever, one? if you ever come off this season of winning time and you're like, there's like a couple of things that happen and you're like, I need to know more about that. Most likely they went over it in that. Cool. Day. All right. I will have to go that's check that out. That's where they went over uh that's where I found out about Larry Bird's dad. See, yeah, because I learned about that yeah. in, in yeah. winning time. Yeah. But for those who missed that, like Larry Bird is actually my all-time favorite basketball player. So because he was kind of at the top of his game when I was a child. So, yeah. I, I believe Larry Bird in that documentary when they first asked, when you met, when you first met Magic Johnson, what did you? And he says, in a suit, old. I think he says, I hated that mother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. What's next? Uh, the dumb of all fears writes, in your most sarcastic voice, please, Jonathan. I'll give it a shot. Uh, did you hear that James Gunn <laughs> didn't like Batman 10 years ago? <laughs> unacceptable WB needs to fire him for having an opinion. Then they should hire you bowl. He loved Batman. That's who they need to shepherd DC. Yeah. That, (laughs) that is it. That whole car. But by the way, I I mentioned this on the John campus show podcast earlier today, but the headlines are actually wrong. They're saying from tweets from 10 years ago, it wasn't from 10 years ago. It was from more like anywhere between 13 to 14 to 15 years ago. Now you might say, but John, we saw the screenshots of the tweets and it said 11 years ago. Yes, but you got to remember that those tweets were deleted in 2018. Remember back when James Gunn got himself in trouble, he went back and deleted all of his old tweets. So the screenshots you're seeing going around now were actually screenshotted years ago. And in the tweet, one of the tweets, James Gunn talks about the two Christopher Nolan Batman films because there wasn't a third yet when he wrote that tweet. Just to keep you up to score here, The Dark Knight came out in 2008, which is 15 years ago. So, I mean, th- those that tweet about James Gunn saying how he hated the Tim Burton Batman movies, um, 
and was arguing that he thought the Nolan movies were better. But he said, ah, you know, I'm not I don't even like the Dark Knight or uh, no, he likes the Dark Knight. He said, I don't even like uh, Batman Begins, but he really hated the Tim Burton Batman movie. Whatever. I, I disagree. I like the Tim Burton Batman movie, but it's OK. Some dude 13, 14 or 15 years ago got on Twitter to say, I don't like this movie. I think it sucks. And here's why I think it sucks. Okay. I, so (laughs) I just, it was crazy, but yeah, that just, so you know, the headlines were wrong. It wasn't 10 or 11 years ago. It was more like 13, 14 or 15 years ago. Those were written. All right. What's next? Edwin writes, uh, Hey, I'm back again. I wanted to ask, do you guys think that after the financial disaster, the flash was that Ezra Miller would even act, uh, in another flash, not, Wait, not in another Flash movie, but another movie in general, because I don't think, because uh, I don't, and I it doesn't look like this guy is going to take any accountability for the things he's done, and I doubt any major studios are going to roll the dice putting him in a movie, especially because of how much financial disaster the Flash was. Love you guys, bring on the filthy. First thing you got to, well, look, if you've watched me for any period of time, you know that I have, I am, I am no Ezra Miller apologist. Like, I think Ezra Miller is a tremendous performer. I think Ezra Miller is a very good actor. But I've also said from day one that Ezra Miller, while they sh- he should not have been removed from The Flash because uh, why should the studio do that? I mean, all the mo- 95% of the garbage that came out was after the movie was shot. So I, I never held Warner Brothers responsible for that. And But I've said Ezra should never be Flash again <laughs> and never will be Flash again. Uh, and rightfully so. That being said... Take all the controversy and put it aside for a moment. All right, just put that aside for a moment. Nobody in their right mind would think Ezra Miller, controversy aside, had anything to do with the poor box office performance of Flash. Here's the reality. The reality is every DC film of the last five years has flopped. All seven of them. Also, not a single DC film in the past five years after Aquaman, right, which was all the way back in 2018. In the last five years, not a single DC movie has made over $400 million. Think about that. Think about that. And Marvel has not put out a single movie that didn't make $400 million. Anyway, it's just, it's, there's that. So, That would be like saying, well, Dwayne Johnson will never work again because Black Adam flopped. Uh, Well, or that uh, Sholo should never work again because Blue Beetle flopped. Well, every DC movie's flopping, right? Now, let's bring Ezra's controversy back into it. That certainly played a part as well. But make no mistake, what we've seen is a definitive pattern. The general movie-going audience has completely, and has for a long time, completely abandoned the DCEU. The DCEU has never lived up to its potential. Even in my beloved, one of the greatest comic book films of all time, easily the most underrated comic book film of all time, and the all-time greatest Superman, even Man of Steel, completely underperformed and never lived up to its potential. None of the DCEU ever did, save maybe the first Wonder Woman and the first Aquaman. Those are the only two films that ever really lived up to the potential they had. So, no. If anything is going to keep Ezra out of acting, it's all the nonsense. It's the nonsense that's going to keep Ezra out of acting. And listen, everybody loves a good comeback story. And maybe a couple of years from now, Ezra Miller can go through a process. And maybe Ezra Miller can come out the other side. 
sure, that's possible. But I mean, if anything's going to keep Ezra out, it's all the controversy and all of Ezra's nonsense. It's not going to be the performance of The Flash because then every actor who's appeared in a DC film in the last five years and even a number of them before that should never work again, right? So yeah, there's that. All right, what's next? Okay, Anonymous uh, writes, question for Ray. How long did it take to design and make all the graphics graphics slash art for the MCU ranking video? I'm a novice with Photoshop, but I'm working towards a creative project with hopefully a similar outcome. Just want to know how much time to dedicate. <laughs> there's, a, there's a weird story, but we're not going to. But it, 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 like I said, when you start doing this a lot, you start having favorites of styles that you save in your Photoshop. And you build on those. And then you do it enough. Then you start knowing how to work with smart objects and things. Mm -hmm. And then you have things all ready to go. I could say it took me from when I started working with you is when I started saving every single style that I that I went every through. Every kind of template you design. Yeah, yeah. But there's something called style, too. It's like when yep. you do blending options, you could save all those. And you just start saving the ones you really I like. Really from, from when I walked in and said, hey, we're going to do this. To when you had those graphics made, how much time do you think that was? Uh, like three hours? No, 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 that was like an hour and a half. I think. Okay, so but but there's something you got to keep in mind. Ray does these sorts of things every day, so what will take him an hour and a half, you should probably budget four to six hours for yourself mm -hmm. um, for that. And because not only does Ray have all of his templates and styles and all that kind of stuff, Ray, this is what Ray does. Yeah, Ray repetition. does this every day. He makes those sorts of things every single day for 10 years, mm -hmm. right? So it may take him an hour and a half, but it's probably going to take you five, six, seven hours to do Yeah, that. with time, you'll you'll start building your own thing. And yeah, then with people repetition. will ask you and you'll be like, 30 minutes, you're done. All right, you know what's mean? next? Okay, and they follow up. Also, was that Ann Campy I saw heading into Wembley Stadium for All In? It had probably. to be. It had to be. Yeah. Actually, Ann sent me some neat pictures yesterday. She, uh, There were a bunch of people at Wembley Stadium um, who recognized her and went out, up to her to say hi. Uh, so, And she sent me a bunch of pictures with a bunch nice. of John Campion Show fans, which was really, really cool. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, so uh, Ann's best friend is Corey, and uh, we've we've known Corey for God, yep. 15 years now, no, maybe 12 years, yeah, 13 years. A long time. And uh, she's been uh, dating Nigel McGuinness. Uh, and rumors were he might have been wrestling on that card, but unfortunately, I, I guess. Well, we can't. We can't. We can't. Oh, yeah. we, no, we no, can't no, no. We can't talk it about passed. it. It just passed. But right. But we, yeah. we still. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we can't say anything. But Nigel, of course, is now uh, a commentator for AEW. So uh, Anne went over with Kaori and Nigel. So to go to the Wembley big event and stuff like that. So and I still haven't had a chance to watch All In, but I heard everybody mm -hmm. who watched the pay-per-view, everybody tells me Nigel did an amazing job. Yeah, calling it so yeah very cool but yes that was Ann there all right what's next just jay newbie writes uh hey crew i'm i'm kind of confused i see that they're making an i am legend 2 starring will smith and michael b jordan if no they're is, not yeah if this is true that would be cool but i'm confused because will smith's character doesn't make it are they just going to retcon that they're not going to do that movie um but look if they there was talk about a while ago and there was talk that they would just kind of retcon the ending or listen how many movies have happened where, listen, the first Highlander ended and Sean Connery was dead. I uh, It turns out all that they needed to do to bring Sh Sean Connery back, <laughs> he puts up the spoiler <laughs> warning, all they needed to do to bring Sean Connery back was to have Connor McCloud stand up and go, Ramirez, I need you. And then thunder and lightning strikes the ground and Sean Connery's back. I Connor mean, McCloud, like, huh? They can do whatever they want to do. 
in these movies to bring him back. It's never that big of a deal. They always figure out some way to do it. Yeah. All right, what's next? All right, we got Cody Hunt Films, one of two. Just saw American History X. As oh, Despicable. so good. Mm-hmm. That's like a one-time watcher for me. Yeah. Uh, uh, as despicable as his character was in the first half of the film, uh, Norton was absolutely magnetic. Wild to me how he went from playing a character with such bravado to one that felt uh, so emasculated in Fight Club just one year later. <clears throat> Uh, unbelievable just how little the uh, rhetoric in that film has changed over the last 25 years. Uh, the scene that broke me, though, was the dinner scene where when his mother tells him that, I'm ashamed that you came out of my body, just a gut-wrenching line. American History X. Um, that movie's traumatizing. Sadly, is every bit as relevant today as it was the day it came out. Like, you think we would have come a certain distance in our society, but we haven't. Um that, that sort of stuff. It looks a little bit different today, but really the same issues are still at play. Listen, make no mistake. Ed Norton Jr. is a world-class actor, an absolute world-class actor. Uh, I refer to him as my co-star in uh, The Incredible Hulk. Everybody knows he only signed up for that movie because he knew I was in it. Uh, but no, I he's, he's phenomenal. I, I mean, he can do everything. What was that one he did with Richard Gere? What was the name of that one where... Um, um. Oh, damn! We're Richard Gears's lawyer. Um, I'm freezing on the name of it, but oh, that was—I think that was the first one for me that I went. Oh my god, this guy's so good. Anyway, I do want to say that the uh, American History X, Primal has, Fear. Oh okay. yeah, Primal Fear has one of the most traumatizing scenes that I've ever seen. Kirby. I couldn't. No. The yeah. The the. Kirby. On, on the curb, right? Kirby. Yeah. That's the first that's where I first I can, heard the term curbing was I yeah, cannot was get that scene out of my head ever since I seen it either. right now. I'm still thinking it's yeah. it's the not oh, the no, way it's, I it's, want anyone to it's haunting. It's haunting. Yeah. All right, guys, listen, we still obviously have many more to go, but we're gonna take a break here for just a second and thank a couple of the sponsors of today's episode of Open Mic, our friends at Marine Lair. By the way, I'm wearing their shirt right now, and of course, DraftKings. Guys, we want to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's video, Marine Lair. All of us as guys are always looking for shirts that look good, but more importantly, are comfortable. Now, I want you to imagine the softest thing you've ever worn, and that's Marine Lair. Marine Lair is the go-to brand for great fitting and stylish closet staples. Based out of California, where we are, Marine Lair clothes are that perfect mix of laid-back style that also looks and feels premium. And these t-shirts stay soft no matter how many times you wash them. It's time to invest in a wardrobe that will actually last. For a limited time, our listeners and viewers get an exclusive 15% off discount with the code CAMPIA at marinelair.com. Like many of you guys, when I looked at Marine Lair's website, I could tell how good their clothes looked, but it wasn't until I got my hands on them and actually put them on that I knew just how unbelievably comfortable they are, which for me is the most important thing. And guys, how many times have you felt that you were in between sizes when buying clothes? What's cool about Marine Lair is that they have in between sizes. You finally no longer have to make that difficult choice between medium and large and extra large. I think we can all admit that the perfect tee is hard to find, but look no further than Marine Lair. For a limited time, get 15% off with the code CAMPIA at marinelair.com. That's CAMPIA for 15% off your entire order at marinelair.com. Saving your closet one shirt at a time. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, 
DraftKings. College football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years because change comes fast. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code CAN. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code CAMPIA. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. And thank you to our friends at Marine Lair and DraftKings for sponsoring this episode of Open Mic. All right, that down, let's keep going here. Jonathan, what we got next? More tips. Garden, Garden Variety Vagabond says, hey, John and gang, uh, I don't think of Peacock as my movie source of choice, but I did uh, have a fun double feature last night of Super Mario Brothers and Renfield on the app. Oh, yeah. Uh, what app has surprised you lately uh, out of the th- without of the theater movies? Uh, honestly, most of the streaming services for me aren't about the movies right now, particularly when you're talking about, like, say, Peacock, uh, Paramount Plus for them, it's the series. I like like because I'm always going to watch The Office and I'm always going to watch Parks and Rec, so I'm going to be on the Peacock app a lot. But yeah, they there's they got the Universal stuff on there, which is pretty good. Um, speaking yeah, of, what's that? Speaking of Peacock, I actually finished Twisted Metal last night. Yeah, it had an ending. It had an ending. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Is I it, had a good time. Yeah, really. fine. It was like, but like, was I, it bad acting or a bad story? The, I'm not into the lore <laughs> of Twisted Metal. I just there's like every other episode. I was like, this is getting good, and then the next episode they crap on it, and mm. then the next episode, oh, they're gonna build the car. Oh, this gonna be so dope. Next episode they crap. It's just that way, but it ended with a really cool thing that I, you know, I'll watch if it comes. I, yeah, I'm gonna have to sit down and check that out at some point. All right, what's next? Uh, Garden Variety Vagabond. After your discussion on animated movies winning Oscars, I was looking at an area where they own the categories, Best Original Score and Best Original Song. 15 artists have been nominated in one of these those categories for animated movies more than once. Yeah, I, uh, yes, they've, they've given them that category. I mean, that's really where <laughs> most of the music... I mean, in modern cinema, that's where most of the music comes yeah. from. It's from the animated films. So they do get credit there. Again, it has just always bothered me. Um, you know, people get confused when I say that I hate the fact that the Oscars have the best animated feature category um, because it's not the Oscars recognizing animation. It's their excuse to not recognize animation. Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but it was back right around the beginning of AMC, we did this thing where it was like seven out of the previous 12 years, the number one critically rated film of the year were animated films. And none of them got nominated for Best Picture. And so what happened was you had an academy that's like, we just don't want to have to deal with it. We don't want to have to deal with this question of animated films and nominating them for prestige awards like Best Picture. So let's create a kiddie table. Let's create a category of their own. Let's put them over there 
So that way we don't have to worry about it. Um, only three animated films in history have been nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Fuck you. There have been so many times that an animated film is deserved. I'm not saying necessarily saying win, but is deserved to be nominated for Best Picture. Absolutely. And this year, Rocky. they damn well better do it for uh, Across the Spider-Verse. They damn well better do it for Across the Spider-Verse. Um, so we'll see what happens. But All right. Won't. What's next? <laughs> uh, Garden Variety writes... Uh, two names dominate Alan Menken with five scores. Okay, so this is kind of on. Oh, okay. Uh, five scores and 10 songs, and Randy Newman with three scores and eight songs. Wow. Uh, when it comes to wins, Menken wins uh, by far with eight, while Newman has only two. Only two others with more than three noms Frank Churchill and Stephen Schwartz. I mean, Menken is like huge. I can't remember if it was Saturday Night Live or one of the other ones. They go, like, there's like the process of Randy Newman writing a song for a movie. It's like he just sits down at a piano, soup, oh delicious soup, <laughs> and he's just like, <laughs> like he's just. I mean, come on, let's face it. Most of Ray, most of Randy's songs sound the same, right? But he does make some iconic stuff. I mean, who will who will ever not know? You've got a friend in me because I was pretty. That was him who wrote that, wasn't mm -hmm. it? Uh -huh. I might be wrong, but anyway, yeah, he's like so distinctive <laughs> and so unique. Soup. Yet soup, oh delicious, <laughs> oh, God, soup. It's like anyway, all right. What's every next? time the Dodgers win uh, at Dodger Stadium, they play. Uh, I, I love, love LA. LA. Yeah, for yep. every, every win. Big. That's obviously a big one of his around here. Um, Garden Variety Vagabond again. What are each of your number one favorite animated movie scores or song? Don't know. Uh, don't know about score. score. Dude, right now, it has to be Across the Spider Verse. I've been listening to that sound. Oh, what, but, that but sound. Uh, score or soundtrack? Soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. What's score? So that that would have been like that would have been a, a song. It would count for songs. Mm. But no, I I can't tell you score because I don't. I'm not sure if I really have any memorable ones yet. Yeah, I really, I can't think of, uh, uh, now, best song from an animated movie, though. I mean. There's too many. <laughs> it has to be Circle it's of Life, so... though. That's Probably for me, it has to be Circle of Life. I mean, there's a lot of great songs and a lot of great animated films. Yeah. By the way, somebody asked me the other day, like, what's my favorite song in a movie, and I, I was like, I went back and forth, and I think I said, "This is your song that you and McGregor sings in Moulin uh, uh, Rouge. Rouge." But I totally forgotten about Greatest Showman. Mm. And you know what? I I actually think sometime in the next two or three weeks, I'm going to do an editorial video on why The Greatest Showman might be the greatest musical ever made. Um, because there are so many songs in that that I'll stop what I'm doing and just listen to them. Like rewrite the stars is a fucking awesome song million dreams is an awesome song that's about the circus right so the greatest showman the circus well, sort of yeah no, you I'm, ever I'm watched sorry, the greatest showman clearly you have no, not no, watched the greatest so you got it's it's amazing from now on that hugh jackman sings absolutely amazing this is the greatest show absolutely amazing but by far my favorite by far my favorite is uh never enough Never Enough from The Greatest Showman might be the greatest song ever in a movie. Probably also the most difficult song to sing ever at, in a movie, but um, but it's just so freaking good. If any of you guys have not watched The Greatest Showman, it, it very well might be the greatest musical movie ever made. Anyway, all right, what's next? 
Okay, we got Caden who writes, uh, with Ahsoka's numbers being reported, I find it interesting that the first episode drew 1.2 million while the second episode only drew 950,000. Uh, I feel like each time a new Star Wars project drops, you slowly are losing 5 to 10% of the audience that keeps giving it a shot. Yeah, but okay, but in Ahsoka's defense, though, keep in mind that that was for the first five days that the episodes were live, right? So it could be that a bunch of people watched the first episode and they'll get around to watching the, the second episode later, like maybe, you know, six days from now, a week from now, whatever. So there's a little bit of that as well. Um, what was more interesting to me was I think there was this perception that Ahsoka would be much bigger because, again, within this, this little neighborhood of these hardcore Star Wars animated fans, everybody loves Ahsoka, right? And I think within this little core they forget that a lot of average moviegoers who just watch the Star Wars movies, never watch the animation, don't even know who Ahsoka Tano is. And I think finding out that it opened to like 50% less of an audience and Obi-Wan opened, which is, uh, that's fine too, because Obi-Wan is obviously an extremely popular Star Wars character, but opened to even like 30% less than Mandalorian season three did, which was the lowest opening for any of the Mandalorian things. I think that was eye-opening. Now, let's see what happens though after week, say, this week, next week, and the week after, do we see the viewership start to go up in the first five-day window, or do we see it decline? I, I don't know. Uh, we're going to have to see where it goes, and we're going to find out in what time is it right now? In one hour and 50 minutes, mm-hmm. right? One hour and 50 minutes, we're going to be able to watch the next episode of Ahsoka, and we'll get a sense about which direction the whole thing's going. All right, what's next? All right, on the supers. Um, Big Cookie writes, in response to the BlackBerry trailer not looking great, the budget was only $5 million. It definitely has a low budget feel, but I really enjoyed it. Oh, I've never seen the trailer. I, I didn't even think there was a trailer. Yeah, I didn't even know such a, such a thing exists. No idea. So I'm not saying the trailer looks bad. I've never seen the trailer. I'm just saying the movie itself had this feel that it was a movie some kid made for free and was handing it out on Hollywood Boulevard. But not because of the trailer. I've never seen the trailer. But it's a Canadian movie and they're saying it could be in the running for a Best Picture nomination. I got to get on this. I got to watch this thing. All right. What's next? All right. Andy's back. Watched the Cars trilogy recently, I'm sorry, for the first time. The first Cars was about racing cars, so how did it become a super spy thriller in Cars 2? This is probably where FNF got their ideas from. I'll be honest with you. I totally forgot there was a Cars 3. <laughs> I Listen, in all the brilliance of Pixar, the Cars franchise is one that just never resonated. I, I don't know why, it just never resonated with me. My nephew loves cars, loves the cars it's property. Huge with the kids and like, at, yeah. you know, it's huge at like the uh, the park and all that. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah, you go yeah. to Disneyland, that, that area of the park yeah. was always very popular. But after Cars 1, I saw Cars 2 was like, that's not great. And I didn't bother with three or planes. Well, yeah, well, planes. Planes was Disney, though. Planes was made by Disney. It was just very much in the Pixar style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I never. Now, look, it, the thing about cars was. The former head of all of Disney animation, John Lasseter, Cars was his passion project because he grew up driving Route 66 with his family and he was always going to, he always wanted to make that movie, Cars and about Route 66 and everything. And so even if Cars flopped, which it didn't, 
But even if cars did flop, John Laster was going to keep making those cars movies. I mean, that, that was, that was his passing project. And of course he's not there anymore. So no more cars movies. All right. What's next? Uh, duck, duck writes. I looked into the Milo, Milo and Otis some more who, uh, Someone wait, who someone wrote in about, and they literally throw a pug into a bear. You can see the bear go for the neck. Of course, the bear was also a trained bear; it wasn't like a wild bear. So that, but it, that movie had issues for sure. I don't even. Write. That's the one where a lot of the dogs and the cats did not survive. Oh, that's right. You were talking about that the other day. Yeah, yeah I'm not. I remember that. that. No, that's that's. A, by the way, uh, side note, Ray, mm. a YouTube video I want you to watch in because I think you're gonna love it. Uh, I was just talking about Greatest Showman, the uh-huh. music in it. On one of those, it, it came up after I was watching that girl sing Never Enough. There was an audition on one of the Got Talent shows where they did it to the song of This is the Greatest Show from The Greatest Showman. But it's this little 12-year-old girl with like 20 dogs. And they do this incredible act. Like the, the best trained dogs I've ever seen. Oh, it's really amazing, and you should watch that with me. Anyway, guys, listen, we still have a few questions to get through. But before we do, we're going to take another moment here and thank another sponsor of today's episode of Open Mic, my mobile service provider, and they should be yours, Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile. Signing your life away to a big wireless provider is kind of like being trapped on a roller coaster from hell. Sure, it looks like fun at first. They probably even threw in a free phone, but now you can't get off. Month after month of insane bills and unexpected thrills, like overages and surprise fees. If that sounds like your current big wireless plan, it's time to get off the ride with Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just 15 bucks a month. You guys know before I came to Mint Mobile, I was paying triple what I am paying now on the standard big wireless plan, and I will never go back. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped right to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com dot com slash campia cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at mint mobile for being my mobile service provider and for sponsoring the john campia show all right that down let's get to the rest of your questions here shall we jonathan what we got next pause tv asks who has seen mj's moonwalker with bad guy joe pesci i have i used to own the <laughs> sega genesis video game for that too i totally forgot joe was pesci that, was in that was yeah. that an actual movie yeah it was like it was, a, and it was it was directed. Who directed it? I'm there was gonna a, look it was up. it Francis Ford Coppola? Could've I want to say Francis Ford Coppola, but I might be dead wrong about you that. You might be thinking of uh, Captain, Captain EO. EO. Oh, I'm thinking that's what I'm thinking. Captain, Captain EO. EO. Was. That's Woo. what I'm thinking of. Also with uh, with MJ. But <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't remember. Man, that's going back. That's going way. I back. I thought it was just a music video. To be honest, it was an actual full blown movie, Moonwalker. Yeah. But, oh, is that but, when he turns into the robot? All right, let's keep going. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Uh, Amin writes, fun fact, one of my be- or one of my friends designed the uh, that subscriber-only Dune 2 cover for Empire Magazine. Uh, don't know if you saw it, but it's absolutely gorgeous. Let me see. Uh, I'll, no. I'll take a look no. at it while you go. I have not seen it. Uh, I don't know why Ray bothers looking these things up because people can't see what he's looking uh, at. No, no, no. But, I want to look at it myself. But, uh, so, but I will take a look again. I, I love it when... Empire does these cover stories on thing. They do it for all the big movies. They do some really, really great stuff. So I'll have to check it out at some point. 
All right, what's next? Uh, Raymond Verado writes, happy birthday to Michael Jackson. Remember Captain EO? Yep. I oh, went. is it Michael Jackson's birthday? It must it? be. You know, I'm still really curious, almost morbidly so, to see how they're going to handle that Michael Jackson biopic they're working on. And who do they get to star in it again? It's somebody's son. Yeah, let me check it. Was it was it like Michael Jackson's nephew that they hired? It, I think it was. That, I think it was one of his nephews. It was like a part of the family. You know, going all the way back to the AMC movie talk days, I remember the question would come up about, you know, with all the musical biopics that come out, like when are they going to do a Michael Jackson one? And I would say, I don't know if the studio, any studio is going to want to touch that because there's no way to win that. Nephew, Jafar Jackson. All right. So it was one of his nephews. Yeah. Uh, so one one of the sons of the other Jackson Antoine five. Antoine Fuqua d- directed. And Antoine Fuqua is going to do it. By the way, I love Antoine Fuqua. Uh, speaking of Equalizer. But... I remember all the way back in the movie talk days talking about how do you make a Michael Jackson biopic? Because if you don't go into the child abuse allegations, Mm -hmm. a lot of people are going to scream that they're, you know, just washing it over. If you do go into them, you're going to get a lot of Michael Jackson fans are going to be, angry calling bullshit and saying it shouldn't be touching that. So I've always like all the way back in the movie talk days, I said, I don't know that a studio is ever going to touch it because if it wasn't for that, they would have been five Michael Jackson biopics by now. But um, I'm just really curious to see if they actually go through with this movie. And if so, what approach they're going to take and then whichever approach they take, how the general public is going to respond to it. I, I mean, it's gutsy to try it. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what they're going to do. I mean, this cover is gorgeous. This is the cover he's talking about, Jonathan. Look at Yeah, but nobody in the audience can see it. Why are we talking what about it? What you should have done was send it to me and then I could put it on. Screen. All right. Sorry. What's next? Uh, King Daddy Goat writes, did you all see where Blood and Honey 2, 2 is coming? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. No. All right. What's next? <laughs> Uh, Eddie Burton writes, uh, with the Snyder cut in the rear view and DC getting a reboot, did releasing the Snyder cut do more harm than good with 2020 hindsight? I feel it did. Mm. I don't think so. I, I don't think it did more harm than good. I just don't think it did any good. Mm. I, I mean, at the end of the day, it really, all it did was it made some, a certain small demographic of fandom kind of happy, but. What did it ultimately accomplish? Nothing. It, and as a matter of fact, it cost a lot of Warner Brothers executives their jobs for the fact that they greenlit it. They had to shell out another $70 million just to make the damn thing. And it ultimately really didn't do what people thought it was going to do. And look, I say that as somebody who believes it is the superior version of the movie. That version of the movie is the superior version of the movie. I agree. But what was the point? I, I I mean, that's, that's the thing that always came down to for me was like, what's the point? And, but to say that it did more harm than good, I don't see how that would be true. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, other than the fact that it cost Warner brothers some money, right. And it lost them some money. Okay. But really what, what harm? I mean, I think even if people didn't love it, I think most. I think it's fair to say that most people agree it was the better version of the movie, right? Yes, sir. And so I. Now, the, the one thing you might be able to say that caused harm was all of the fucking circus that surrounded the release. They should not. 
Like the fucking circus that surrounded, that definitely damaged the fandom. Mm-hmm. That 100% that turned a lot of people off DC, that turned a lot of people off segments of fandom. That, but the movie itself, if all we're talking about is the movie itself, no, I, I don't think it's fair to say it did more harm than good. I, I don't think so at all. It's that we got a better version of the movie. What was the point? There was no point, but did it do any harm? I don't think it did any harm. All right, what's next? Um, J- Jason Nelson writes, Equalizer, kind of like Jack Reacher, but more violent. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure which was around first. You know what? No, I'm going to go on a limb and I'm going to say J- uh, Jack or uh, Equalizer was around longer. Remember, Equalizer, that was like, that was a TV show back in the 80s. Oh, yeah, that's, that's yeah. what I remember seeing. And Robert McCall was this older Englishman. Oh, wow. Who would go around and and help them. It was a television show. And then they tried to do, I think they relaunched the show. Mm. And I think David Morris. Oh, they did. Morris, they did re- relaunch yep. the show. Wait, David Queen Morris. Latifah, right? What's that? Wasn't it Queen Latifah? Oh, no. That's the third iteration oh, of it. Oh, okay. So there, there was, was a, a Queen David Latifah. Morris version of it. Mm. Oh, David and Morris. And now they've got a Queen Latifah version of it. Um or something like that. So yeah, yeah there, there's that. All right, what's next? Uh, Fangblaze writes, uh, maybe a minor plot hole. Did did Spot even uh, know Miles? What? Oh, it's- did Spot even know Miles was Spider-Man? Is he going to kill a lot of dads and just hope he kills Spider-Man's dad? I think Spot's grand plan is a lot wider than that. I, I mean... So I don't think it's just about that one miles, even though that one miles is the one that started it. I don't know that it's just about him. Like by the time you get to the end of Across the Spider-Verse, Spot's vision has gotten a lot bigger, right? So yeah. it's about more than just that. He's I not think. even thinking about Miles right now. He's like just- it's probably still in his head like a little a bit. road bump right now for yeah. Miles is, a road bump. He, yeah. All right, what's next? Uh, Dildar the Glorious writes, how far you got in Baldur's Gate? John, I'm uh, almost done with Act 2 and just can't put it down. I feel, I think I need an intervention. I don't even know where Act 1 ends. I mean, I, that's crazy. Well, see, then that's, yeah, that's the sign of a problem when you don't even know where. No, I'm pretty sure I'm still in Act (laughs) 1. I'm pretty sure. Like, I cleared out the, uh, Goblin Keep. That took a while. Mm. I cleared that out. Um, I just had a big drama with Lazel and Shadowheart, and I completely screwed something up that I didn't realize was really going to f things up later down the line in the game, and I had to go back and blah, blah. So I'm pretty sure I'm still in Act One, but having a very good time with it. Sweet. All right, what's next? Duck Duck writes. Uh, I didn't like the. Well, let's see. We'll skip over here. John Redcorn says after Mario Brothers, Last of Us, and Gran Turismo is uh, this the best year for video game adaptations? Well, okay, first of all, Gran Turismo is not a video yeah, game adaptation. Yeah, it's based on a true story. Yeah, be, be like, just be very, very clear about that. Gran Turismo is not a video game movie. It's not a video game translation. It's, 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 a, it's a true story event that happened around a video game, but mm-hmm. it is not a video game movie. The thing about Mario Brothers is, look, I really enjoyed Mario Brothers. I liked it. it it's not a great movie. Yeah. It's certainly enjoyable. Like, I had fun watching it, right? Yep. But, you know, when you get to the basic mechanics of good filmmaking, good storytelling, eh, let's just say Mario Brothers isn't going to be not, isn't one of those animated films that deserves to be nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Like, well, let's just say that. But you are talking about a genre, a subgenre, if you will, that's never had good films. 
with video game stuff, right? Like right. Last of Us, well, it's a TV series, so it's a little bit different. Last of Us was the first truly excellent video game thing. Now, some people might say, well, John, what about Wreck-It Ralph? Wreck-It Ralph's not a video game movie. There is, There was no video game called Wreck-It Ralph yeah. that it was based on. That's just an original animated film. Um, it doesn't sound like Five Nights at Freddy's is going to be it. Um, but I don't know. Maybe... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Is any year the best year for video game movies? Right, I mean, we're working our way towards that. Yeah, we're still kind of working April, our way through yeah, on that. It, yeah, and, and again, Last of Us was a television show, not a yeah. movie, so I, I don't know. All right. Well, I mean, you know what? Whatever year the first Sonic came out. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's true. I'll say that's the best video game movie year. We're Whatever year there. Sonic we're, came out. We're moving slowly to a good year. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll get there, but uh, the one that had the one good co- the one good video game movie, we'll say that's the best year ever for video game movies. All right, what's next? Okay. Shamrock Vibes writes, if more films get delayed due to strikes, could studios revert back to theatrical time um, spent in cinema before COVID pandemic and leave movies in longer? Oh, like no, longer that, runs. No, that would just, that would just be short sighted. Like, look, the reality is, look, I don't like the forty five day window. All right, I would prefer the pre COVID full ninety day window. I think that's better. I think it's better for the business. I think that's better for the industry, and I think it's better for fans. That being said, I wasn't. And to this day, I, I'm not completely against the 45-day window. Like, it's fine because the reality is the way movie-going patterns happen today, by day 45, it's very rare that a movie is still getting audiences out at day 45. Now, I still think there's a lot of benefit for those movies to then have a period of time where it disappears, right? That a movie has done its theatrical run it disappears, and then a couple months later, boom, you put in another marketing push. Now on home video, I think absence makes the heart grow fonder. I think it builds anticipation. I think it gets people excited, and I just personally think it's better for the business to do that. But um, again, after 45 days, people aren't going anyway. So let's take Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a really good movie. Mm-hmm. No one's going to the theater at 45 days to still see it. So what would be the point of stretching it out even longer after that, right? There's just nobody seeing it. Not to mention, the windows become more and more tricky because more and more movies get released, right? So there's less and less room in the theaters and in the multiplexes. We just saw a big thing that IMAX, like Tom Cruise is upset because his Mission Impossible couldn't get IMAX screen time, right? Mm -hmm. So I just really don't know that it would make, there would be any point even if the strikes went on much longer, and I don't think they're going to last much longer, but even if they did, I just don't know there'd be much point to stretching out the theatrical window again temporarily. All right, what's next? Big Mike writes, Hey, John, heard you talk about 2004's BSG on the show before. Just finished it, and I'm absolutely mind blown. Uh, maybe my favorite series finale. I'm not sure what BSG Bat- is. Battlestar yeah, Galactica. Battlestar oh. Galactica. Um, to me, single greatest television show in history. Single greatest television show in history is Battlestar Galactica. Oh, wow. Um, and now, uh, and I was somebody who was a fan growing up as a kid. I used to watch the old Lauren Green, Dirk Benedict, you know, Battlestar Galactica. But the the new one is nothing short of mind-blowing. It's just some of, it is some of the absolute best storytelling, best weaving of mythology in with like really, really deep mythology 
in with something that tries to feel grounded while it's sci-fi all at the same time with religious overtones, science, and just, it's just, it's mind blowing. And for me, an insanely satisfying ending, like a really, really satisfying ending. And it's hard. I mean, don't get me wrong. The series finale wasn't as good as say Star Trek, the next generation series finale. That to me is the greatest series finale ever. But as a show, my absolute number one favorite television show of all time. I'm glad you watched it, man. It's because it's just so good. All right, what's next? Okay, Miguel uh, writes, uh, what's the inflection? Is it Mabuhai or Mabuhai? Mabuhai. Mabuhai. John and crew, Filipinos represent peace. Uh, Salamat po. My friend, thank you so much for that. And that'll do it. Wow. For today's installment of the John Campius Show Open Mic. And we are so glad you guys were here and made this show part of your day. A big special thank you to all you guys who sent in the questions. Number one, because you gave us really interesting and fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported our channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the show, thank you guys so very much for your support. So... For Ray Aura, yep, yep. Jonathan Voico. See you guys later. My name's John Campy, everybody. And until next time, my friends, bye bye.